Hi, I'm Chris Klink, and you're listening to my Writing Table Podcast. Today's guest is Zio Axelrod. Zio Axelrod is a USA Today best-selling author. She writes different flavors of contemporary romance and what she likes to call strange, twisted tales. Zio grew up in the recording industry and began performing at a very young age. As a result, her knowledge of popular music is nearly encyclopedic. When she isn't working on the next story, Zio can be found behind a microphone in a studio, writing songs in her bedroom-turned-recording booth, or performing on international stages under a different, not-so-secret name. Zio's next book, The Girl with Stars in Her Eyes, comes out on May 4th. Welcome, Zio! Hey, thanks for having me. So I'm so glad to be here with you, finally. Finally, it's been a it's been a wild year. It's been a wild two. Has it been two years? It's been at least two years, maybe three. Well, I am so excited to talk to you about the girl with stars in her eyes, and also I know you have another one coming not not far behind it. So I'm <laughs> really excited. You've got some exciting things going on. You have an extensive background in music, and I know this because I have done karaoke with you, and I felt <laughs> completely inept around. Oh you. no! We're so good. We're so talented. But when did you roll the musical talent into writing novels? Um, Well, the novel thing sort of happened accidentally anyway. Um, I was on tour when I first started writing, sort of on my blog, long form fiction anyway. And um, yeah, and at first I didn't write about music. I wrote about everything but music. And then someone, I don't remember who, was like, "Um, shouldn't you be, because you know, the whole thing, write what you know. And I was like, yeah, I guess I could do that. So like the first one I wrote, I think was like sort of, on the periphery of the music business. Um, Camden sort of takes place, you know, there's a pop star that's one of the characters, but still didn't really, you know, and then when the idea for this series came, um, it was around the same time. And I was like, yeah, that would be really cool, but I don't know if I could get away with writing like a series about an all-girl rock band. Like who wants to read that kind of thing? So just sort of sat there for a minute. (laughs) Yeah, right, so it sat there for a minute until, you know, serendipity happened. Yeah, you're the second author this week who's told me that, it just kind of happened. The first one was Lori Frankel. Really? And I was like, what? How? How, <laughs> how did these talented people just stumble into this? I mean, you guys, we, we all want to hear that you, you know, you've planned for this, you know, your whole life. And- I know. I feel I'm incredibly lucky. Um, and I'm also like, I think I applied a lot of what I did as an indie musician to being an indie author. I've read that you didn't fit the stereotype for the kind of music you'd wanted to make. And subsequently <laughs> you were subject to these gatekeepers and their narrow views. How are you folding those experiences into your novels? Well, um, Tony, the main character in the girl with stars in her eyes, she is an up and coming indie rock musician. Um, but if I Googled, indie rock musicians, she's not the image that would come up. <laughs> Neither was I. So um, a lot of my experiences sort of running into rock guys, you know, rock venues, rock booking agents were like, they take one look at me and go, mm, we don't really do soul. We don't do jazz. We don't really book reggae. And I'm like, what? You know, it was just so, it, it was such a like eye-opening experience. Um, especially in the U.S., which is why I ended up playing in the U.K. so much, because in the U.S., they were like, they really were like, the package has to meet the material, you know? Um, So Tony runs into a lot of that, and she's not really interested in being in the spotlight anyway, but she's a studio musician, she's a session musician, and she still runs into it. (laughs) She's a girl, and she's a Black girl, and so they're like, yeah, you've got two strikes against you, you know? 
Um, so definitely rolled my experience into her for sure. Her her name, and, and pardon me if I don't say it right, is it Bennett? Bennett. It, it looks like Bennett. Okay, that's what I was going to yep. say. It looks like Bennett, but I didn't <laughs> yeah. know it's spelled a little different. Yeah, yeah, I put the extra E on there. Or, so her name really, when you look at it, looks like Tony Bennett. Yeah. And, and I really, you know, from what you're telling me, you can see kind of the play that you did with an old white guy here. <laughs> yeah. A young black musician, yeah, yeah. different kinds of music. Um, obviously, that was purposeful. <laughs> yeah, they had dual purpose because there are a couple people in my family that have famous names. Mm-hmm. There is a Tony Bennett in my family. There's an Elizabeth Taylor in my family, and they've <laughs> always there's always been like that running joke of like, oh, you know, Liz, you know. And so I always wondered like how they dealt with having famous names, you know, growing up or whatever. So I thought it would be fun to give Tony that baggage. Um, and then, yeah, again, giving her the name Tony Bennett, which was like, you know, he's the ultimate, you know, crooner, whatever, you know, yeah, like, yeah. cool pop daddy guy, you know. So besides their names, do they have anything in common? No. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nope. Still, uh, still a, that was a great vehicle for <laughs> twisting that. You're the first person to remark on that, actually. Oh, like, well, most I, people just go, oh, that's funny. It's Tony Bennett. I'm like, yeah, but do you get why it's Tony Bennett? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> no, I, I got that. I thought that was really clever. Um, tell us about your publishing journey. Well, like I said, I, I sort of stumbled into it. And I hate to say that because it sounds like I don't appreciate you know, everything that happened. Um, It was a lot of hard work, but there was a lot of luck involved as well. I was literally on the road. I think we were in Portugal and we had really late gigs there. And sometimes I couldn't sleep afterwards. So I would like watch something, you know, on my, you know, on my laptop or read or whatever. And um, a friend of mine, Denny S. Bryce, I think you know her. Oh yeah, yeah, I know Denny. Yeah, she had gotten me into this show called Scandal. Mm-hmm. Um, we met actually writing fanfic for Buffy, for the Buffy fandom. We actually met in fandom. I'm a fandom, fandom girl. And so she was like, you have to watch this show. And I was like, yeah, I'm not really into like political dramas or whatever. And, you know, but I was bored. And so I watched a couple of episodes like, man, this is so different. It was so like quick and snappy and like really edgy. And stuff. Art. those first, yeah, those first couple of seasons were like amazing. And then yeah. I kind of like fell out of love with it but the fandom for that show was really intense (laughs) like really intense and um they had some really like strong ideas about what was happening behind the scenes with the actors and stuff and I thought you know specifically the two leads and I thought man you know what if like this was really happening in front of this like social media audience because I think it was the first show that invited their their watcher their viewers to like live tweet with them i think they were the first ones to do the live tweet while the episode was going so they invited a lot of scrutiny a lot of like gossip and chatter and stuff about the banter and like look how you know look how close they're standing together and look at how he looks at her like that whole thing like they were convinced you know so i was like man you know what if this was like a brad and angelino situation where this was (laughs) actually happening in front of you know the world and so i started writing a what if about like not them but like completely different characters but that fandom sort of like you know like oh yeah this is you know i know what you're doing i was like no 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 it's not about them this is about the situation But um, little, I didn't know how much the story had grown. Like I started writing, I think I wrote like 2000 words at first and they were like, write a little bit more. And so I kept writing and kept writing. And like, I think about a hundred thousand words into it. I started to realize that I had picked up a little bit of a following because I went from like 30 followers on my Tumblr to like a few hundred. I was like, oh, cool. You know, a hundred thousand words. That's well, yeah. And then um, novel there. 
Yeah, it was. And then like toward the end, I mean, I, I ended up with like 200,000 words, but like, <laughs> but what happened was like, I was on Twitter one day and I saw a tweet from a friend of mine in Houston and she was talking to someone else. And she was like, oh my gosh, in that last chapter, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, it's this thing that this woman, she posts every other day on her Tumblr and it's so good. And I was like, wait, that's my thing. And she's like, no, it isn't. So I sent her the next chapter and she was like, oh my God, you have no idea how many people are reading this. And so that was sort of it. And it was like this huge thing. And Denny was like, look, um, I belong to this organization. Um, what you have here is probably publishable. If you've got these people already following you, like come with me to Atlanta, to this RWA conference and see what you can do with it. And I had never even read a romance before. I didn't know anything about publishing. I was like, um, okay. So I like got some business cards made and we went to Atlanta and that was sort of the beginning and I still didn't know what to do with that thing, but I was like, okay, I'm here. I'll, I'll learn, you know, I'll figure out how the business works and stuff. And that's how it started. <laughs> I just remembered my mother's like, I mean, I'm sure she had the Fabio covers. You know? Yeah. yeah. They, every, every article that ever writes about romance always mentions that, but like, that's what we knew was romance. Like that was it, you know? Um, and so I was like, yeah, I read Anne Rice. <laughs> you know, like I read Jim Butcher. I did not read romance. And so Denny was like, um, here are five titles she just like threw some some new books from five different authors and they were completely different. It was like Tracy Brogan's first book. That was the first romance I read was Crazy Little Thing by Tracy Brogan. So it's Tracy Brogan, I think J.R. Ward, Robin Covington, and I forget who the others are, I'm sorry. But I like, you know, flew through those books before oh, we went cool. to Atlanta. And I was like, man, this is so not what I thought it was. Like, this was like vampires and beach read and hot, hot heat. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like all over the place. And I was like, wow, okay. So, all right. Uh, all right. You know, and it just so happened that, like the music thing was slowing down in Europe because there was like a little dip in the economy and like venues were closing and changing hands. And I was trying to book my fall tour and couldn't. And I was like, I guess I'll stay home and... <laughs> figure out how to write books. how to write a book <laughs> or what to do with this 200,000 word thing that I have so what did you do with it so I put it aside because I had actually there was an agent <laughs> at the conference um people were like what do you write I was like I don't know books and then, then they were like tell me <laughs> about the book yeah and so I told I did like a little quick you know elevator pitch of the book to this group of people and this girl handed me her card and she was like I work for an agent like you know she probably loved to hear this or whatever and so I didn't know who it was obviously I didn't know anyone and I said to Denny you know do you know this Louise Fury person and she's like yeah she's great da, da, da. so like Louise requested the she went on and read some of my blog I think and requested the full and so I sent it to her and somewhere in the week that I sent it to her she went from one agency to another and so it got lost in the ether and she never got it so when I saw her a year later, she was like, you never sent me your book. I was like, I did. So we realized that, you know, but by that time I had already decided to self-publish it. But what I did was I wrote the Callum, which was my first novella in the meantime, because I wanted to put something out there that was fresh and new and figure out how the process of like uploading books and distributing and all the other stuff worked before I tackled that. And she was like, oh, okay, maybe another time. You know what I mean? But I was like, oh, if I know, it could have been a completely different journey if I had, you know, Louise yeah. Fury shopping that book. But, you know, things work out the way they're supposed to, I think. How did you go from that indie process to becoming agented and traditionally published? So I published, I want to say, I don't know, six or seven books. Um, wow. 
before I even thought, okay, because, you know, I come from the music industry <laughs> uh-huh. and I grew up in the business and my father's always been like, you know, if you can do it yourself, do it yourself because he doesn't trust like labels and stuff. So I have this inherent distrust of like publishers and lawyers, whatever, and agents. And you know, I didn't know anything about it. I was like, you know, but there's some really cool people and there's some really great presses. And like, you know, so I decided, I think it was 2019 2018 to okay because they were asking there were a few that were asking like so you never think about you know and I was like ah eh, thanks for the interest I really appreciate it I know that I'm, I'm doing good on my own thing but I yeah I was like I stick, I'm also a control freak like I do co- I do my own covers I do my own marketing I do all that stuff so I was like mm, that means I have to like give you control over character names and book titles and covers and like I didn't know if I could do that so um but I had that idea for the for this series. And I was like, you know, I can't do this series on my own. This is bigger than me. Just the world that I wanted to create. Um, so I was like, okay, if I can find a publisher where this series can live, then that's who I'll go with. And it just so happened that they approached me at the same time. And I was like, wow, okay. So there we go. Awesome. <laughs> you know, and, and I had like, I had them and I had another publisher with like offers on the table and I had no agent at the time. And so I called around to friends and like, who should I call? Who can jump on? You know, and I ended up, um, one of my friends was like, just call Nalini Akolakar. Like, just call her and tell her that you need an agent. And so I did. And she was like, hey. And she, you know, we'd met at RWA a couple of times. Yeah. And she was like, hey, you know, I, you know, if you want me to just look at this deal, like, so you don't go in blind, then I can do that. You don't have to sign on with me or whatever. And I was like, but I need you. <laughs> I was like, I need someone. That's awesome that she was willing to do that. Yeah, that's, she's that's amazing. Cool. She's amazing. So that's your, she's your agent now. She is my agent. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. And who did you end up publishing with? Sourcebooks. Sourcebooks. Oh, yeah. cool. Tell us about the girl with stars in her eyes. So it follows, I mean, it's a bromance, you know, so there's a, there's a core couple. Um, I think it straddles the line between romance and literary fiction because I do spend a lot more time on her journey than their journey. Um, even though you get some chapters from his perspective as well, but it's really about uh, Tony Bennett, <laughs> we mentioned before. Um, it opens with her as a 12 year old girl um, sort of living in these seedy, apartments and back rooms with her mother who is a is a, an aspiring musician um mm-hmm. she's like small like big fish small pond famous and trying to move up to that next level and she's willing to do pretty much anything to get there including like shipping her kid off to live with a father that she's never met before oh wow in this tiny town in in middle of uh, pennsylvania and so tony you know the day after her 12th birthday her mother ships her off to live with this guy and uh, yeah so she's She's sort of abandoned by her mother and her father doesn't really want her around or, you know, he begrudgingly takes her in because obviously he's his kid, but he's like, you know, don't expect me to coddle you kind of thing. So mm-hmm. she's kind of on her own. Um, and she meets Seb and he's a couple years older than her and uh, is obsessed with music as she is. So they bond over the music and they have this like dream of getting out of the town together. You know, they're going to get out of their one horse town and all this stuff. Um, but they're both have contentious relationships with their families. His is with his father, who's abusive. And so he, on his 18th birthday, um, he leaves town and leaves her behind. Aww. And so it breaks her little heart and also reinforces the idea that fame is not a thing. Because they had always talked, we're going to take over the world. We're going to be world famous musicians. And so between her mother and Seb, she's kind of like, you know what? That's not that's not what I want. So she goes her own way and she becomes what we call a hired gun which is those session musicians or studio musicians um, who come in and just knock out a part 
on a on a track in the studio or go on tour with a band if they need an extra like keyboardist or guitarist or whatever okay, drummer okay. um they're not part of the band but they you know supplement the tour so she's she's working towards that and she's been doing really well on her own and then she you know has this dream of owning her own studio she's got big dreams <laughs> um and she has stars but, in her eyes <laughs> she has stars in her eyes but different kinds of stars um and she gets this opportunity that falls in her lap but she needs money and then another opportunity to play for this up-and-coming rock band, all-female rock band, The Lilies, drops into her lap with just the right amount of money. Like, you know, yeah. if you get this money, you can get that studio. So she's like, you know what? Okay. And then guess who manages the band? It's Seb. <laughs> so he's back. Fun. Yeah, so so there's their, you know, they have their journey back to friendship and then beyond. Um, but really she, you know, there's a story of her falling in love with her potential, um, her falling in love with him and her falling in love with this band and the 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 life that they offer her i love that falling in love with her potential <laughs> yeah i'm gonna go back to Lori frankel again because when you said that it reminds me of something else her book that's coming out uh one two three she said she compared it to how girls superhero mm. that's what that reminded me of when you mm-hmm. said falling in love with her own potential i think mm-hmm. that's that's really exciting that we have these books coming out oh yeah there's a lot of good Putting a little more light on on that story. Yeah. Say yes. Um, I mean, you know, there these are four women or five in this case um, who know what they want. They're incredibly talented. Like Tony is Prince in a girl's body. <laughs> you know, she's just wow, she's just ridiculously. Right. She's like multi instrumentalist, but guitars an instrument. She can sing. She can. I mean, she can do it all. But she's very you know very narrow minded in, in her potential, um, in terms of her potential. And she meets these women who are like girl you've got it all going on. You need to like shake all that, you know, hiding in the shadow things off. Like you got to, you know, um, and they have this group of men who support them because it's a, it's the music industry. Like they aren't going to magically be accepted everywhere and just right. you know, smooth sailing. So they've got men who understand who they are, what they, and they are the bosses. They're like, okay, we work for you guys. Like, we're not trying to boss you around. We're here to support you. And I wanted to create sort of a, it's a found family with these mm-hmm. with this group of people. And because it's four books in the series, um, it's a big universe. Which of these characters most closely resembles your personality? My personality? Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I think there's a little bit of me in each of the four. Um, Tony is very self-sufficient. She does not like to rely on other people. That's definitely me. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the bass player Tiff, she's a, she's a, really laid back, easygoing person that's hiding a lot of, a lot of pain. Um, Kayla is an overachiever, um, but believes in, in following her own path rather than the one that's set up for her by her parents. And Lily, the lead singer, um, her book is the last. She is easy to read to people who don't know how to read her and difficult to read to by people who do. If that makes any sense. Very interesting. Very <laughs> interesting. Okay, so I was I was originally going to ask you if these two books, because it was the second one that's coming out is mm-hmm. a girl with rhythm in her heart. Yes. Um, and I was going to ask you if they were sold and created as a tandem project, but you mentioned just now that there are four. More, there are four books. Yeah. All right. It was All sold right. as a four book deal, which ah. I didn't even know was like an unusual thing. Yes. Congratulations. Thanks. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think Sourcebooks was really excited not only about the story but about all of the other things that I'm doing um, in terms of creating this universe. 
And so they were super excited about like the music and the, you know, everything else. And so I was like, yeah, you know, let's, let's do this. So they've been great partners in bringing this to fruition. I understand that the girl with stars in her eyes is going to have a little target symbol. Yeah. Yeah. That, that like sit down um, for that news. They told me back, I think it was like December or January that they had picked it as their diverse book club pick for the month of May, um, which is why the date got pushed because it was originally April 6th and then uh-huh. they moved it to May 4th so they, they could do that. But they sent me like huge boxes of t- what they call tipping sheets, which are basically like the front page. There's a front page that goes in there. says like special edition, print for Target. Mm-hmm. And there's a line. I had to sign 3,000 of these things. Wow. You had, 3, no, you of had them. to sign 3,000. I had to. Oh, no. It was, it was <laughs> such a privilege. Exhausting. But like I did... It was, it, my hand was like, what are you doing? Cause you know, who writes anymore, right? You know, I'm I know. On my keyboard. but I was like, I'm like happily signing, you know, I had like a little whiskey there and I'm like signing. I did like a little bit every day. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be in this section, the book club section. Um, I think oh. I heard that they're playing the trailer. If you haven't seen the trailer, like I'm in love with it, but they're going to play the trailer like on the TV in the section oh, or something. Wow. At it's your local amazing. Target stores. That is awesome. Yeah. And then I can't wait to the go. Ripped, the ripped bodice. Yeah, the rip. It's in a couple of um, subscription boxes. Um, the rip bodice I know just came out. I think this week, um, and just started going out. And I didn't even know that it was out until um, someone posted it on Instagram. I was like, "Look what I just got!" And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> that's cool." Very cool. Um, so yeah, so it's part of their part of their. I think they make they keep it a secret until you get it or something like that. Uh-huh. But everybody's starting to get them now, so I can talk about it. And obviously, mm-hmm. all your hard work has has brought that forward. So congratulations. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, which scenes were the most fun to write? Um, I love group scenes. I'm, I'm really big on banter. I write dialogue first and then I write, you know, all the description and, and, and narration and everything later. Um, so those scenes were like everyone's in the room together and they're just being pinging back and forth. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, I wrote Buffy fanfics. I, I watch a lot of Mutant Enemy and all those writers from Mutant Enemy, Jane Espenson and David Fury and all those guys who went on to all these other shows. Like you can still see that sort of like zingy you know, back and forth. And so I try to like incorporate that in my group scenes, um, just like an ending, you know, it's ending a scene on a unrelated line from the rest of the thing, the action that happened in the scene, that kind of thing, like going out on a joke or going out on a, some, some weird, like off the wall line. Like I, I love doing those kinds of things. So those are fun for me. I heard your father's writing his memoir. Yes. <laughs> what advice would you give him? I've been giving him tons of advice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, one of which was like, um, I self edit a lot, you know, like I had to, I, I learned accidentally that I could fast draft and that was because I stopped, stop, you know, stopping points and going back and editing what I just wrote. I just started like pushing through and with all of his experience and all of his memories and all of his stories, he tended to like, Oh wait, that reminds me. And then he'd go back and I'm like, you know what, make a note somewhere that you want to write about that and just keep going. And he's been flying through it now for like, you know, during the pandemic, he's been home a lot more. So he's like, you know, that's great advice. Like I was able to do this, this and this. And then, you know, I took point and I went back and filled in. I was like, yeah, that's great. Like, you know, you're not on a deadline or anything. So like, take your time. But if you keep writing in that circular fashion, you'll never get to the end. Because he's a great storyteller. He just doesn't have any like technical ability as a writer yet. It's there. He just needs to be like honed and, you know, um, he's a songwriter, you know? And so I said, yeah, he's a songwriter. So, you know, one of the conversations we had recently and he was like, I just want to, you know, I just want to get it on the page and have it be done. I'm like, that doesn't work like songwriting. Like I can write a song in five minutes. We can write songs like that. That doesn't necessarily happen with a book, especially not a memoir 
you know, yeah. who knows how long this thing is going to be. I mean, he's been in the business for 50 years. So like, don't expect it to be done as soon as you put it down on the page. This is the first pass. And then we go back and, you know, I was like, think of it as a chunk of wood. You're carving into it, you know, but you got to get that first chunk first. And then we'll go back and we'll carve it with a Dremel. He's like, okay, okay, okay. So now, yeah. So I think I'm hoping that we'll be able to figure out if he wants to self-pub or, or shop it like in 2022. I was just wondering if you guys were, um, were looking at going on tour together. <laughs> there's your, there's my response. I really love that. Uh, <laughs> no, that would be interesting because it would be such a different, you know, experience for him um, and for me. Like the book thing is so totally new to him. Like he's just, everything that happens, he's like, oh my gosh, I saw your Instagram post. That's amazing. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> like, oh, with the, with he's the- loving it. Good writing is the kind of writing that transports the reader to a different place. Um, like if you can suspend their reality, um, whether you're taking them to the beach or into the studio or into someone's home or into someone's life, if they're not thinking about, oh, I didn't feed the cat, you know, oh, whatever. If you can like make them lose track of time, mm-hmm. that to me is good writing. What are you reading now? I am reading Honey Girl um, by Morgan Rogers. It's sort of a, it's a queer one night stand, woke up married in Vegas <laughs> book. It reminds me a little bit of um, Sweet Filthy Boy from Christina Lauren. I don't okay. know if you've read that, but it's one of my favorite books, but it's like that, that tro- it's like all these little tropes in there, but it's so good. She's such a great character. Grace is a great character. I haven't, I'm like about third way through it. But, um, and I also finished reading, gosh, I've read a lot lately, actually. I've read um, Rosalind Pommel Takes the Cake from Alexis Hall, okay. um, which is coming out, I think, think also in May which is like if you love Great British Bake Off mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like it's like the perfect book um I read Wild Women in the Blues from Denny because her oh, that yeah. was her debut that came out yeah yes. um and then I read a nonfiction book from Cassine what is Cassine's Gaines Cassine Gaines it's called Footnotes mm-hmm. and it's about um the musical the Broadway musical Shuffling Along which was like the first all-black musical on Broadway and basically like mainstreamed jazz for white audiences, like it introduced jazz to white audiences. Oh, interesting. It's, it's great for like Broadway people. It's great for people who love music history. It's like black history, like everything is in there. What are you writing now? I just got my revisions back for The Girl with Rhythm in Her Heart. And these books to me have nicknames. So The Girl with Stars is Gwishy and Girl with Rhythm is Gwitham. Because um, it's just <laughs> yeah. a lot to say when I'm talking about like, Gwitham, Gwitham, Gwitham. Right. Yeah. So Girl with the Heart just came back um, and she's got some great notes in there. So I get to dive back in because, you know, when I when I turn, I had to learn not to tinker after I've turned the book in, because then when I get the book back, I don't want to have a completely different manuscript. So I was like, OK, let me just not look at it. You know, so I've got that. And then I have an anthology coming out in um, June that I do every year. It's a charity anthology called Love is All. And so I'm working on my short story for that as well. It's funny, when I first um, started writing romance, I thought I will avoid anything that even remotely resembles what I'm writing because I don't want to like influence my voice. And then someone said, no, you got to read in your genre. (laughs) And I was like, but, but, and they're like, no, because you need to understand what works and what doesn't work, what people respond to and what they don't. And if you don't read in your genre, you're gonna, you might disappoint 
We talk a lot on this podcast about the camaraderie among authors. Mm. How have these relationships helped you in your writing career? Goodness me. Well, like I said, when I when I first decided to actually publish, I spent about a year just hanging out. You know, I went to went to conference, I friended people on Facebook or whatever, I supported their releases. I looked at there's actually three women, Kimberly Kincaid, Avery Flynn, and Robin Covington. I called them the triumvirate because they were co-promoting and like they would do these things together online and just like created this sort of like little bubble and invited their different readerships in. And I was like, Oh, that's really cool. Like how did it, you know, they're drawing people in from the different three different ways. And it was just really, cause I watched them. So I watched them and I was like, okay, I can see what these guys are doing. But even before I knew them and called them friends, they were really, really influential in the way that I did things. But Kristen Higgins, you know, she sort of took me under her wing, you know, and stuff. Sonali Dev. Um, there's so many people that get out there and I'm just like, why me? Like, I, you know, I have, I have serious imposter syndrome, especially right now with everything that's going on with this book. And Karen Rose tweeted at me and was like, your cover is amazing. I want to read the book. And I was like, why does Karen Rose want to read this book? Like, you know, but she, she's she's amazing. And she's like, oh, my gosh, I've been watching you. You know, Heather Graham pulled me aside at, the, at RWA in Orlando a couple of years ago and was like, I've been watching you, kid keep doing what you're doing you know I was like what is happening so like the, the support in the in the publishing industry is so different than the music industry I have to say um you just don't get that in the music industry you don't get other off you don't get other bands going hey if you have an album coming out let me know and I'll promote it for you like that just is <laughs> no so it took it took us a minute for me to realize that how, how supportive and you know just amazingly loving I mean you know it has its issues every every industry does but by and large, it's been amazing. I would not be where I am without so many people like, you know, encouraging me and stuff. To learn more about Zio, visit zioaxelrod.com. Music by Pavel Yudin and photography by Casey Meineke. If you like what you're hearing, hit the subscribe button and consider leaving a review.